Okay, so this morning, I want to talk on the topic of sin. What is sin? You hear this word a lot in church, sin. The Bible talks a lot about sin. Uh, well, I'll give you some definitions. Uh, Freiburg's lexicon says, A departure from doing what is right. We know what's right, we're supposed to do right, and we depart from that, that is sin. Another one, Loanidas says, to act contrary to the will and law of God. Uh, God's told us what's right and wrong in his word, we know what it is, and we do something contrary to that. Another one says, any human activity that is contrary to God's will. Another one says, every departure from the way of righteousness. So I've seen this word departure here a few times. Um, originally, the uh, Greek word anyway, translated sin, hamartia, uh, originally meant to miss the mark. If you could imagine, you know, you've, you've got a bullseye, you know, when you're trying to shoot an arrow at it uh, back in the day, or maybe today, you know, you're trying to shoot a, you know, at a gun range, trying to hit the target, and you miss. That's what sin is. Or uh, another example we could use is maybe, I think of baseball, you know, and the ball's coming and you're supposed to hit it, and you miss the ball. We call that a strike, okay? That's what sin is. Uh, any lack of conformity to uh, or transgression of the law of God whether by omission or commission. Commission meaning you commit a sin, you do something that you're not supposed to do, or by omission, you're supposed to do something and you don't do it. That's sin also. You say, well, just I didn't do anything. Yeah, but you're supposed to do something and you didn't do it. That's also sin. Okay. So those are just a few definitions, but let's look at the Bible definition. First uh, John 3 and 4. The Bible actually defines sin for us in a couple places. First John 3 and 4 says, Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. Okay, or the breaking of the law. Not uh, The Greek word here means no law. You know, not having law, not... Uh, Living a lawless life without restriction. Now we know we're not under the law of Moses as a way of life. But uh, the Bible says we are under the law of Christ. It's not that we have no law. Uh, we are supposed to follow God's rules. Uh, a little bit later in the same book, 1 John 5 and 17. All wrongdoing is sin. All unrighteousness is sin. We know what is righteous. Righteous just means doing what's right. You know, you know, this is what's right. It's the right thing to do. That's righteous. Unrighteous would be not doing that. In short, sin is breaking God's rules. Now, God's rules are there for our protection. God's not, you know, he didn't just make a bunch of rules to make life difficult or to keep us from having fun. Okay. He really has our best interests in mind. And uh, he tells us what is right and wrong. And we need to follow that. Uh, let me look at a couple, actually a couple of terms 
This is Greek from the New Testament. Greek words translated sin. The first, the most common one I already mentioned is hamartia. And we see an example of this in Romans 6 and 1. I mentioned uh, originally meant to miss the mark. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin so that grace may abound? Shall we continue to just miss the bullseye and, 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 and not hit our target? No, of course not. When we make a mistake, we need to repent of the mistake and get back on track and do it right. Uh, another word is paraptoma. Uh, an example of this is Galatians 6 and 1. This means a slip or a misstep. Imagine you're walking and you trip, you know, or, or you, 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 you stumble on something. You misstep, paraptoma. This is often translated trespass. So Galatians 6 and 1, brothers, if anyone, another Christian, is caught in a transgression, ESV says. This one says wrongdoing. You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. So if somebody's walking along and they trip, they stumble. We need to help them and encourage them because we know we make mistakes too. Okay, Somebody makes a mistake, we don't want to throw rocks at them and, and, and discourage them. We want to say, hey, get up, you can do it, let's keep going. It's just one mistake. Another word is agnoema. You can, you can see that word almost sounds like the word uh, ignorance, agnoema. Uh, and it is a sin of ignorance. Hebrews 9 and 7. Uh, into the second only, uh, the high priest goes, and he, but once a year, he goes into the second room, the most holy place, and not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and for the unintentional sins. Or the sins the people committed in ignorance. Did you know even if you do something ignorantly, you didn't know it was sin, it's still sin. And in the Old Testament, they still had to, you know, high priests had to pay for that and make it right. Ignorance of the law is no excuse. That's why we need to we need to learn the word. We need we need to have Come to Bible study. We need to learn what God has said because we don't want to be committing these sins in ignorance and say, well, God, I didn't know. Well, you don't have an excuse if God's given us his word and we, and, you know, we have the ability to read it. Sin, sins of ignorance. Another one is per, uh, perakoe. And uh, we see an example of this in Romans 5 and 19. Uh, this Greek word means a failure to listen, refusing to listen. For as by the one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one man, many will be made righteous. Now, this is talking about um, Adam and Eve in the garden. God told them, do not, we're going to look at that passage in a minute, but they, God told them what was required of them. They didn't listen to him. They did what they wanted to. Okay? Failure to listen when God has said, and we don't do what we're supposed to. Parakoe. Another one is parabasis. This means to cross the line. This word is often translated transgression. Romans 2 and 23. Uh, you who boast in the law, dishonor God by breaking the law. That's how it's translated here. Breaking the law. Transgressing the law. Passing. Here's the boundary. Okay? Don't go past this. And you know you're not supposed to. And you step over it anyway. Parakoe. Transgression, overstepping, crossing the line. 
Uh, another one is the Greek word anomia. Example of this is Matthew 7 and 23. Uh, and this word just means lawlessness. Jesus says, then I will declare to them, people are going to come to him and say, Lord, we know you, we served you, we're so happy, hey, Lord Jesus. He's going to say, I don't know you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness, or you lawbreakers. Anomia, lawlessness, no law. Just doing whatever they feel like. Okay, so those are just some uh, actually different terms that the Bible uses uh, for sin. But um, let's look at, uh, let's go to Genesis chapter 3. This is what we call original sin, the first time man sinned. And we're going to learn some things from this passage. Uh, Genesis chapter 3, and we'll start at the beginning. And it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord had made. And the serpent said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Now right there we see the first mistake. Man is adding to what God actually said. Okay, And sometimes we think we need to help God out. You know, God gave us a rule, well... You know, I'm just going to, and there's nothing wrong with doing extra, but when we go and say God has said, or we require of other people to do things that God has said, that's, we're going to, we're going to get into a mistake there. God didn't say don't touch it. Now it's probably wise not to touch it because you start touching it. Then the next thing you know, you're going to eat it. Okay. It's not that that's wrong, but when we start making commands that God has not said, that's where it's wrong. So here we see mankind adding to, to God's law. Now the serpent speaks, verse 4, The serpent said to the woman, You will not really die. Okay, So here we see the lie from the enemy. You can sin and get away with it. Now you may get away with it for a time. They didn't drop dead that moment. But they brought death into, the, into their lives, into the world, and eventually they both did die. If they had not disobeyed God, and if they had eaten from the, from the tree of life, they would have lived forever. They would not have had to die. But here's a lie from the devil. You can sin and get away with it. It's okay. You know, we, we, you just serve a great big cuddly God. He doesn't really. He said it, but not that big a deal. That's the lie. Don't ever listen to that lie. Never. It's a lie. For God knows when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Sometimes we might miss that part. And everybody wants to blame the woman. Adam was there all along. It was his job to stop and say, hey, this is wrong. God has said not to do this. And he just went right along with everything that happened. But from this verse, I want to also point out, we see uh, the three ways that temptation comes into our life. Um, uh, in First John, it, he talks about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And we see all three in action here. Uh, the desire of the flesh, she saw the fruit, it was good for food, it was 
something that she wanted to eat. It looked tasty. And that it was a delight to the eyes. Desire of the eyes. And that it would make one wise. They're appealing to our, our, our sense of pride. Okay, Three different ways. Three different av- avenues. Lust, greed, and pride is another way some people have summarized that. Verse 7. Then, okay, then they, they, they did wrong. They broke God's commandment. And you know, here they only had one commandment as far as we can tell. I mean, God didn't say anything else. Just one thing He told them. Don't eat the fruit of this tree. You think that would have been pretty simple? You think if I was there, I, I, you know, I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> but the point of the story is Adam and Eve represented humanity. Yes, you would have done that, or you would have done something else. We all fail. Uh, we all fall short. We all disobey at some point or another. Verse seven: Their eyes were both open. They knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and they made loincloths for themselves. Verse 8, and they heard the sound of, of, God, of Yahweh, uh, the Lord God, walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves. You know, before God would come and they would be happy to, to talk to God and be in his presence and be in fellowship with him. Now they've sinned and God comes and we're ashamed and, and we, we, we can't look God in the face because we know we've done wrong. And we know God said not to do it and we did it anyway in rebellion it, we broke his commandment and they're hiding themselves from God now. They hid themselves from the presence. They hid in the trees of the garden. Verse 9, the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Now, man, he did, you know the story? He didn't have clothes before this. He was already naked, but now he feels that shame. Now, because of sin, things are different. It's not the same way it was. Sin breaks relationships. Sin is damaging. God said, who told you you were naked? You must have eaten of that tree that I told you not to eat. That's the only way you could know that. That's the only way your eyes could be opened and you would be ashamed. The man said, the woman you gave to me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate it. Now, here we start passing. It's not my fault, God that I committed sin. It's so-and-so. They they tempted me. Or anybody use this? I, I, it's not my fault. You made me this way. I was born this way. I can't help it. You know, and, and we see the man blaming the woman, but what we kind of read over sometimes, he didn't just say, the, the woman you gave me. I mean, that was a blessing. Adam was alone and God gave him a wife. That's a wonderful thing. The woman you gave me. She, she told me and I did it. She just tricked me. I'm sorry, no. She, she, Adam wasn't tricked. Eve was tricked. Then the, verse 13, the Lord God said to the woman, what, what is this you've done? She said, the serpent tricked me. And I ate. Well, I guess the serpent didn't have anybody else to blame. He was just, you know. There was nothing left. Um, okay, so so then the consequences come. God curses the, the serpent. He brings judgment on the serpent and on the woman. Let's go down to what he says to Adam. Go down to verse 17. To Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded, you shall not eat it. Look at this. Cursed is the ground because of you. 
Let me ask you something. What did the ground do? Did the ground, did the earth sin? Did the ground disobey? The ground did what it was supposed to do. God commanded the earth, you know, the land to come and the sea to come and He separated the light and the dark. He did all these things. The, the material, the elements of the world did everything God said. But because man sins, the ground was cursed. The point is sometimes others pay the consequences for our sins. We think, oh, this is I'm just this is just between you know me myself and I. This doesn't affect anybody else. That's not the way it works. There are consequences to sin that that have a, a, an effect on other things and other people. We're still suffering today because of the sin of Adam. It wasn't my fault. I didn't eat the fruit. It doesn't matter. Sin has consequences that affect other people. That's the way it works. Cursed is the ground because of your sake. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Verse 18, weeds are going to grow. Man, anybody hate pulling weeds? Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. Things are going to be more difficult. Jump down to verse 23. Uh, And finally, man was excluded from the presence of God. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the garden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Okay, so what do we learn from this story? First, let me ask the question, what was wrong about eating the fruit? I mean, was this was this a poisonous apple? Was there some bad thing about the, the fruit? As far as we, I mean, we don't see that. It, like it was, in, you know, an, an immoral thing, like, like taking a person's life or hurting somebody. We don't see anything like that. It was just the fact that God said, don't do it. God said no, and man did it anyway. That's sin right there. We don't always need to understand. Now, it's good to understand. You know, we're talking about learning the Bible and growing. We, it's good to understand. But sometimes we need to obey even when we don't understand and just say, well, God has said and that's it. That's it. God said, don't eat it. Don't eat it. Uh, we also see sin brings shame. A man who has disobeyed God is ashamed to stand in his presence because he knows he's done wrong. Sin brings consequences. It brings judgment. Because of his holy nature, God must punish sin. Sin brings separation from God. Uh, Again, because God is holy, he cannot, I mean, he loves us, he wants to be with us, but he's not going to be a part of sin and wrong and evil. He just doesn't do that. If we want to be close to him, we need to be like him. We need to be holy. Sin produces broken relationships here with God, but also with people. When you sin, it damages your relationships with other people. When people sin against you, it damages the relationship. It breaks trust and confidence and things are not the same the way that they used. Now, hopefully we want to forgive and let things go and move on, but... um, Sometimes that takes time. Sin damages our relationships. 
Also, as I mentioned, sin affects other people, whether we want to it or not. We don't live in a, in a glass bubble all by ourselves, separated from the rest of the people. We live on the earth with the rest of humanity. And when one person does wrong, it has consequences that affect others. And eventually, sin does bring death. We don't read about it right here in the story. But uh, yeah, eventually Adam and Eve did die. They lost access to the tree of life and they died. And all man has died since then as a consequence of sin. Okay, what else does the Bible have to say about sin? Sin leaves you dirty with the need to be cleaned. Psalm 5 and 12. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Now that's the response we should have. When we do wrong, we should, I mean, that's a, that's a good thing. That's like, you know, why do we have pain? Well, you, it, it's supposed to keep you from, from damaging yourself, you know. You cut your finger, you learn not to do that again. When you sin, you should feel dirty and the need to be cleansed and recognize this is, this is ugly, this is not good. If we get to the place that we can sin and not feel that, something's wrong. Okay, we need to... We need to spend time in the, in the prayer room and, and have God, you know, deal with us and, 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 and work on us. Okay, sin should leave us feeling that way. Um, another one, 1 John 1 and 7. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. We need to be cleansed from sin. Uh, there are degrees of sin. Now, people say, well, you know, sin is sin. One, it's all the same. You know, whether you you do one little thing or you go and murder somebody. Uh, you don't get that picture from Scripture. Now, it is true. All sin is bad. Okay? All sin will separate you from God. But there are degrees. Some things are worse than others. We get that picture from Scripture. Uh, Luke 12, verses 47 and 48. And he says, the servant who knew his master's will, but didn't get ready or act according to his will, he will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know his master's will and did what something that deserved a beating, he will receive a light beating. Um, so Jesus is saying, uh, first of all here, that somebody who does wrong knowing that it's wrong, he's going to get more punishment then somebody who, if the guy who did wrong and didn't know it, he's still going to be punished. It's not excused. But the one who knew better and did wrong, that's a worse sin. To break God's commandments knowingly is a worse sin than to break them in ignorance. But they're both sin. Okay. Another example that there are degrees of sin, John 19, verses 10 and 11. Pilate's talking to Jesus, and he thinks he's all, you know, Mr. Tough Guy. He says... Uh, won't you speak to me? Don't you know that I have the authority to re to release you or to crucify you? Verse 11, Jesus says, you wouldn't have no authority unless my father gave it to you. So I'm not impressed. But after that, he says, therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. Yeah, Pilate, what you're doing is wrong. You think, you know, you know the story. He said he washed his hands and he thought he was okay. No, no, no. Pilate was sinning. He was, he was allowing Jesus Christ to be crucified. And that was wrong. But Jesus says, what Judas did, that's way worse. Way worse. He knew Jesus. He was close to him. He spent time with him. And he betrayed him. 
According to Jesus, that is a much worse sin than what Pilate did. Also, the Bible talks about some sins being an abomination. Uh, again, they're all bad, but some sins are things that just God hates with a passion. And we read about that in Scripture sometimes. We use the word abomination. It just means something God hates very much. How severe is sin? Let's look at this, this story here in Numbers chapter 15. We'll start at verse 32. How bad is it? When all the people of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man gathering sticks on the Sabbath day. And those who found him gathering sticks brought him to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation. Now, God had said, you can work for six days on the Sabbath day. You're not allowed to work. That was one of the commandments. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And we think, you know, Sabbath day meant go to church or whatever. That's, that's not what it meant in, in the original context anyway. They were commanded not to work. God rested on the seventh day. You guys are to rest. You're not to work. Well, I wanted to work. Well, God said not to. Now, again, we're, we're not. This is the law of Moses. We're not under this. Okay, I'm not. But for this, for these people, God had clearly said, don't work on the Sabbath day. This guy went and gathered sticks out of firewood or something. They caught him. They brought him to Moses in the congregation. Verse 34. They put him in custody because uh, it had not been made. They didn't know what to do about him. Verse 35, 36. The Lord said to Moses, the man shall be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him with stones outside the camp. And all the congregation brought him outside the camp. And they stoned him to death with stones as the Lord commanded Moses. Stoned to death for picking up sticks. And you think, well, that's not that bad. But God said not to. Okay? That's the thing. We want to trivialize sin. Well, this is not too bad. If God had said not to, and you know God has said not to, disobeying God's word knowingly is very bad. Whether or not the act itself is a... Is a you know, major moral thing. You're not, I didn't kill somebody. No, but you broke God's commandment and you know better. He was stoned to death. How bad is sin? It was bad enough to send Jesus to the cross to pay for our sins. That's how bad sin is. That's how serious it is. Okay, we talked about, uh, in the beginning I said there are sins of commissions where we commit a sin, but there's also sins of omission where you're supposed to do something and you don't. Let's go to James 4 and 17. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. If you know to do something and you don't do what you're supposed to do, again, you say, I didn't do nothing. But you're supposed to do something and you failed, you, you, you fell short of doing what you're obligated to you to do. That's also sin. Whatever is not of faith is sin. Romans 14 and 23. Uh, Paul talks about, um, well, there's a lot of stuff there in Romans 14. But if, if you're unsure, is this okay? Is it not okay? Uh, you know, and I don't really know, God doesn't want me to do this, or I'm not really sure what His Word says, and you're, you're in this place of doubt, and you do it anyway, you're going to be condemned because you're not acting in faith. Okay, Whoever uh, has doubts is condemned if he eats, 
because the, he's talking about, um, I believe he's talking about eating meat in this passage, if somebody's not sure whether or not it's right or wrong. Because the eating is not from faith, for whatever does not proceed from faith, whatever is not of faith, is sin. The nature of sin. Sin is progressive. It starts small, but it gets worse. Don't believe the lie the enemy tells you. Oh, just this one little thing. It's okay. Shh. Don't believe that. Sin is progressive. It starts off with one little thing, but it turns into something big. The more you sin, the easier it is to sin. Both in general, the first time you cross that line, you feeling guilty, the Holy Ghost is, and you do it anyway. The next time you're like, ah, oh, this, this, this guy's not that bad. Not only in general, but also in specific things that you, that you do wrong, the more you do it, the easier it is. And that's a dangerous place to be in. When we can be comfortable with sin. It's a scary place. Because too much sin can sear your conscience. 1 Timothy 4 and 2. Through the hypocrisy of liars whose conscience are seared. Okay, like you, you know, you do... Uh, you know, well, you know what searing is. They heat up a piece of metal and, you know, they would put it on the, the, the animal or something. And at first, I mean, they, they touched the animal with that, that branding or whatever. And his, his flesh is seared and it's very painful. But what happens is the nerves are damaged and that skin becomes numb and it cannot feel anymore. And the first time we break God's law, we feel conviction and God deals with us. And, and we're broken and we cry and, and, and we repent. But as we continue to do it, that voice, that voice that is in our mind telling us, don't do that, it's wrong. We don't hear it anymore. It's not that it's not there, we just, we've tuned it out. We've gotten used to it. Sin can be entangling. Hebrews 12 and 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. We start off doing something wrong and we're just wrapped up in this mess of sin, of, 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 of wrong, of immorality, whatever it is. It's that we're entangled in it like a spider web. And we can't find a way to escape. Sin is something damaging. It hurts people. It causes someone pain. Sometimes the damage is upon, even is upon yourself and you don't realize it. Sometimes the consequences or the damage are not immediately seen. And this is the hard part. I mean, you, you, you do something that you hurt another person. You go punch a guy in the nose. You can see he's hurt. But sometimes there are sins that you don't see immediately the results and you think, well, it's not that bad. 
And we don't realize it has long-term, far-reaching consequences. If God said, thou shalt not, He didn't say that for nothing. There's a reason. It has a permeating effect. You damage someone, and they go... You hurt someone, they go hurt someone else. And then they're hurt, and they go hurt someone else. And somebody says, I'm the way I am because somebody hurt me when I was young or something like that. And maybe that's true. It's no excuse. But that's the effect that sin has. Hurting people hurt people. Sin causes more sin. Sin brings bondage. John 8 and 34. Jesus said, truly I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. You may not realize that. So sin is both powerful and dangerous. Toying around with it is like playing with fire. You know what happens when you play with fire. Some types of sin can be addictive or habit-forming and can be very difficult to break. That's why it's best to just avoid them completely. Okay, But we do believe God can save us even from sins of addiction and habit. Sin does bring pleasure for a season. Hebrews 11 and 25. Uh, Moses, when he was uh, faced with the choice, he could have lived in the palace as a prince. But instead it says he chose rather to suffer with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. The, the Bible says the pleasures of sin. You know, it would, it would, it would not be tempting to us to do something wrong if there was not some reward some candy something that makes it tasteful bible recognizes that it knows that it's not denying that there's some sat temporary momentary satisfaction but not long term sin will not bring you true happiness it's only momentary pleasure true happiness true joy is in the things of god in the presence of god Jesus paid for it. John 3 and 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him will not have to die because the payment for sin is death. But to the one who believes in Him, you will not have to die, but instead you will have eternal life. Jesus came to take away sin. Now also let me just point out here. Jesus came to save us from our sins. People say, not to save us in our sins. Not that we continue in sin. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Paul says, no way. Okay, He came to save us from our sins. That's the answer to the sin problem. The atonement, Jesus paid for it. Justification, His righteousness is applied to our life. And our sin was put on him and God punished him because of what we did. You know, Jesus didn't commit any sin, the Bible says. He was sinless. He took our sin upon himself so that we could be forgiven. Justification, regeneration is the next step in the process of salvation where God changes us inside. We're born again. We repent we are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ where His blood is, is put upon us in baptism in His name. Okay? We receive His Spirit. 
and we, 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 we're, we're a new person. We're born again. That's regeneration, to be born again. The next process is sanctification. Legally, we're a saint. We're a child of God. We look just like Jesus. Now we need to start acting like it. Okay, That's sanctification, where God cleans us up, makes us more like Him. And then the final step in our salvation is glorification, where our physical body is changed and transformed in the resurrection when Jesus comes back. We need to have our sins washed away. Let's go we'll go ahead and look at that. Acts 2 and 38. We've got sin upon us. We've done wrong. It needs to be washed away in water baptism. Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. That's what baptism in the name of Jesus accomplishes. It is for the forgiveness or the remission, they're the same word, of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Another one later in Acts, Acts 22 and 16. It says, you know, what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name or calling on the name of the Lord Jesus. Wash away your be baptized and wash away your sins. It actually accomplishes something. Maybe you say, well, Brother Willie, I've, I've been baptized and then I, I, I stumbled again. I failed again. I committed a sin again. Is there any hope for me? Yes, there is hope. First John chapter one, verses seven, eight and nine. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. We walk in the light. We have fellowship with the other Christians. The blood of Jesus continues to cleanse us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, notice the we. Who's, this, is, this is the Apostle John. The beloved disciple. Right? If we say we have no sin... We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. He's including himself. Okay? You're never going to achieve the state of sinless perfection. But that doesn't mean that we say, well, I'm never going to be perfect. So, you know. No, 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 no. That's our goal. That's what we need to strive for. Jesus did say, be ye perfect, even as my Father in heaven. We're called to perfection. But we're going to fall short. If we say, I don't have any sin, you're, you're, you're tricking yourself, okay? Recognize the sin, confess the sin, don't try to say you don't have any. You do, you're still human. You're not glorified yet. We say we have, we deceive ourselves in the truth, verse 9. But if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you've not yet been born again, you need to be born again. You need to, when you're baptized, your sins are washed away. After, now, you need, you, need, you need to believe in Jesus first. You don't just, it's not just a magic ticket that you can do it without any faith, okay? But if you believe in Jesus, you want to serve Him and commit your life to Him, you need to be baptized. After that, when we fail, this is the route we take. We confess our sin. We walk in the light. We have fellowship with other Christians. He said if we walk, if we 
walk in the, verse 7, we walk in the light, as he in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us. What's the part about being, because we're around other Christians, and, 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 and we, so hopefully, we help each other in our sanctification. We encourage one another, we exhort one another, okay? We, we get an understanding of what it means to be a Christian by being around other Christians. Fellowship is a part of this, what I was, according to John. Fellowship with one another. We confess our sin. Okay, and then jump down to uh, chapter 2 and verse 1. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Don't sin. Don't do it. No. Just no. Don't do it. Don't even think about it. No. Should I? No. Just no. (laughs) Don't do it. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Again, we're not going to take it for granted. We're not going to to abuse God's goodness, God's mercy. Because you won't get away with that. Okay? We need to be thankful and humble. And when we come and confess and repent, do it with a with a with an attitude, a spirit of humility. And sorrow. And God, I broke your commandment. I disobeyed your word. I I went outside the line. I did wrong. And I'm sorry. And I don't want to do this anymore. Don't never walk in with an attitude, you know, or just arrogantly expecting God's mercy. God doesn't owe us anything. We need to come before him humbly and broken and acknowledge I did wrong. I hurt you. I disobeyed you. It is a big deal. It's never it's never trivial. It is always a big deal. But he is faithful and just to forgive us if we confess our sins. And you have to get to a place where you really hate sin if you're ever going to live in the victory. If you don't hate it, you're going to say, oh. When I pray, I often ask God, Lord, help me. And I've said this before, but help me to love what you love and to hate what you hate. I don't want to love something God hates. And I don't want to hate something God loves. I want to be like him. And I'll be honest with you, there are things that... God, I, I see your word. I, I don't feel that way. Help me to feel that way about this thing that you says you don't like it. I need to feel that. I need to believe it. I need to be convinced. I need to be converted. Keep working on me. Keep me on your potter's wheel. Keep, you know, because my flesh doesn't feel that way about some things. We need to be like him. Okay. Any questions on the topic of sin? Well, you guys got it all together. Very good. 